This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Moscow threatens to punish Lithuania with actions that would have a serious impact after the Baltic state blocked the transport of some goods to and from Kaliningrad, a Russian enclave across its own territory. Lithuania says it is enforcing EU sanctions, which came into force on June 17th. Russia called the move openly hostile. The EU ambassador to Russia arrived in Moscow to discuss the situation, having been summoned by Russia. Republican election officials told the House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol how Donald Trump and his team urged them to overturn the 2020 election. Rusty Bowers, the Speaker of Arizona's House of Representatives, said he was pressed by Mr. Trump, his lawyers, and Virginia Thomas, the wife of Clarence Thomas, a Supreme Court justice. Several officials also revealed that they received death threats from some of Mr. Trump's supporters. Kellogg's, a food manufacturer, said it would split into three companies focused on cereals, snacks, and plant-based food. Steve Cahillane, the company's boss, said the enhanced focus would allow each business to succeed independently. They vary significantly in size. Snacks accounted for $11.4 billion in sales last year, compared with just $340 million for Kellogg's plant-based products. The company's shares jumped on the news. America's Supreme Court ruled that Maine cannot exclude religious schools from a program that pays private school tuition for pupils in areas without state-run schools. The court was split 6-3, with liberals dissenting. The decision echoed previous rulings by the court's conservative majority that found religious institutions in Missouri and Montana to be eligible for government aid. Elon Musk confirmed plans to lay off 10% of Tesla's salaried workforce, saying a recession in America appears more likely than not. Mr. Musk also said that his electric car company would increase the proportion of its workers paid hourly, compared to salaried employees. The Russian journalist Dmitry Muratov auctioned his Nobel Peace Prize medal for $103.5 million. He was a co-recipient of the award in 2021 for defending freedom of expression. His independent newspaper, Novaya Gazeta, was forced to stop printing shortly after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Mr. Muratov said the money raised would go towards helping refugees from the war. Evergrande said it has a plan to end the suspension of its shares from the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. The indebted Chinese property developer, whose troubles are emblematic of China's broader economic problems, has until September 20, 2023 to meet the exchange's conditions for avoiding a permanent delisting. These include greater transparency and that it shows it has the means to continue operations. And fact of the day. $600 million. The value of Pakistan's annual tea imports, now putting pressure on the country's dwindling foreign currency reserves. (laughs) 
And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Ukraine finally gets big German guns. Germany's first shipment of heavy weapons to Ukraine has arrived, after weeks of mounting criticism that the EU's largest country was not doing enough. The Panzerhaubitze 2000 artillery system, or PZH-2000, can heave a shell the weight of two stuffed suitcases about 40 kilometers. With a special burst mode that can fire three rounds in 10 seconds, the 55-ton armored vehicle on tracks offers fearsome firepower. Germany's gift, however, may have arrived too late to halt Russia's slow advance in Ukraine's east. Russian artillery crews are firing roughly ten times as many rounds as Ukraine, reckons Valery Zaluzhny, Ukraine's army chief. The country's leaders say their troops need more and more advanced Western artillery pieces. Yet Germany is sending just seven PZH-2000s, and the Netherlands has reneged on a promise to send five more. With Western stocks of artillery and ammunition beginning to dwindle, increasing support will be hard. The Summer of Crypto's Discontent On Wednesday, Iran will cut off electricity to its 118 authorized crypto mining firms, hoping to relieve the country's strained power network. It is a fitting move as the mood darkens in the wider cryptoverse. The price of Bitcoin fell nearly 15% on Saturday alone, triggering some $1 billion in liquidation as traders who had borrowed money to make big bets failed to put up more collateral. Other crypto coins tumbled too, although most have since recovered and the market seems to have stabilized. But Bitcoin remains nearly 70% below its peak in November, and that is wreaking havoc across the industry. Lenders have suspended withdrawals, hedge funds have failed to meet margin calls, and one exchange halted transactions altogether, fearing it might run out of funds. Even giant firms have been hit. Many, notably Coinbase, have announced layoffs of up to 20% of their workforces. This summer of discontent could evolve into a long winter for the fading stars of crypto. MBS is everyone's BFF. Summer is a time to travel and reconnect with old friends. Mohammed bin Salman, the Saudi crown prince and de facto ruler, is expected to travel to Turkey on Wednesday. It will be his first visit since the murder in 2018 of Jamal Khashoggi, a Saudi journalist, inside the kingdom's Istanbul consulate. Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, spent years castigating the prince for the killing. But as the Turkish economy plummets, Mr. Erdogan's hostility is fading. He wants Saudi investment. Mr. Erdogan is not the only leader to suddenly make nice with Prince Mohammed. As a presidential candidate, Joe Biden once vowed to make the prince a pariah over Mr. Khashoggi's murder and Saudi Arabia's involvement in the war in Yemen. Now, Mr. Biden has decided to visit him in Jeddah next month. With petrol prices soaring, average American pump prices hit $5 a gallon this month, Mr. Biden too sees a need for better ties, hoping that Prince Mohammed will agree to extract more oil. 
a global economic crisis has proved good for Saudi Arabia's diplomatic standing. Tech giants seek open metaverse standards. During the 1990s, companies came together to build open web standards, an effort that helped the internet boom. By allowing different sites and browsers to talk to each other, an open economy flourished. As the tech industry looks to the next version of the internet, the metaverse, some are hoping to repeat the success. On Tuesday, the Metaverse Standards Forum launched to foster discussions on interoperability standards. The big names involved include Meta, formerly known as Facebook, which has bet its future on Metaverse technology, and Epic Games, which has built a popular proto-Metaverse with its Fortnite game. But there are equally big omissions, notably Apple, as well as other game developers who will produce much of the Metaverse's content. If such companies do not subscribe to the forum's standards, they will not count for much. Any new guidelines will anyway have to compete against a plethora of current ones, potentially magnifying the incompatibility that already plagues the industry. Still, if the new organization can build a consensus, the so far nebulous metaverse could become something more solid. Glastonbury bounces back. Rail strikes and blistering temperatures will not deter more than 200,000 people pitching up at Glastonbury Festival, which begins on Wednesday. Many festival-goers have waited two years to celebrate Glasto's 50th anniversary, twice postponed because of the pandemic. Expect an electric atmosphere when the likes of Billie Eilish, Kendrick Lamar, and Paul McCartney take to the pyramid stage. But even as Worthy Farm bounces back, some smaller British festivals have been cancelled. Inflation and labor shortages mean higher costs, while ticket sales have been sluggish, in part due to Britain's cost-of-living crunch. Making matters worse, in April the government ended VAT relief on festival tickets. Revelers at Glastonbury had to shell out £280 $345 for the privilege. Then there is the environment. British music fans are more likely to say they care about climate change than non-fans. Yet many festivals run on fossil fuel-powered generators. Glastonbury, for its part, is trying to foster good behavior. Its terms and conditions include a green pledge, urging ravers to keep the farmland unspoiled. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which Massachusetts town was gripped by a series of witch trials in 1692 and 1693? Tuesday. Which song by Tammy Wynette was ranked number one in the country music television's list of greatest country songs in a 2003 poll? 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Anne Morrow Lindbergh, who was born on this day in 1906. Only in growth, reform, and change, paradoxically enough, is true security to be found. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.